Welcome back to Ask the Teacher ABC. We are so happy to be here once again. We have a wonderful guest today, and I'm going to let Anna go ahead and introduce our beautiful, amazing guests. Okay, so we have um, Chelsea Apia. You may have um, heard her name before. She's from Love is Blind. She's also my sister Bliss's best friend. And um, Chelsea is a pediatric speech (laughs) language pathologist. We are so excited. So we are super excited to have you here with us today, Chelsea. Um, Yay! I know, this is so exciting. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we really wanted to, uh, one of our main goals of our show is to really help inform parents on, you know, all the different aspects of school. And um, especially, you know, those different aspects like special education. We had an episode on that. And we really wanted to um, bring you in because we know that you have experience in schools and you with different age groups of children um, as far as speech and language go. And that's another aspect that is really important um, to the school system because it has to do with reading, it has to do with speaking. And um, all of those things contribute to things like writing and success in school. So, um, let's just kind of start out like where did you start how did what's what made you passionate about this what's your background Um, include your background yeah we want to hear all of it we're so excited yay well thank you both for having me this is very exciting and new for me and i'm a big a, a big proponent for you know education and you know families and parents as children's first teachers and um, so it's really great for me to be here with you. You both have such a wealth of knowledge um, in this whole area of childhood and education and all of the above. So very awesome for us to learn from one another today. But yeah. I started my career, my undergraduate. So I, first of all, I just have always loved children. I was the kid that was like two months older than my cousin, but was like changing her diaper growing up as a kid. Like I've just, I'm a big caregiver. Um, And I had lots of dolls and I was crazy, amazing and imaginative play. Um, My dad built a playhouse with, um, with electricity. And I, I spent hours and hours and hours caring for my little, you know, imaginary family growing up as a kid. So my mom would probably say that I was just always a very nurturing person, soul. Um, and so I knew very young that I felt like my life's work was going to be supporting the development of young children. Oh. And my first, you know, I was begging to babysit at, at 10 years old. Um, oh. Always kind of like hyper responsible, if you will. Um, so... Yeah. I was that kind of kid and I grew up, you know, nannying and babysitting and my first real W-2 job was, you know, at a daycare. Um, And fast forward through, you know, my school, my schooling and into early college, um, I thought maybe with my kind of focus of supporting children that maybe that was in nursing so I started, I was pre-nursing uh, when I started college, and I don't personally think I was quite ready to go to college. I think I needed some more exploration, if you will, of uh-huh. myself and what was the best kind of avenue to fulfill my life's work. 
and I thought it was nursing and I came to found out came to find out that it was not um, I wanted to support children to thrive and to grow and the other way um, was just something that my heart was not going to be able to do so um, I actually dropped out of that college I went to community college for a few months all my friends were in college it was a really challenging time for me um, and in my you know young 20s trying to figure out who I was and what I really wanted to do and what really spoke to me and I looked into UW and their programs and I found the early childhood and family studies program and I remember sitting at the desk of the you know advisor and I just like burst into tears because she had child she had children's art all over I mean it was so oh. it, it, it really spoke to me um because I I never was I never was the one that was like I'm gonna be a teacher like that's what I know never. I want to do like I I didn't really know I, I I was more open at that point in time but I knew that a fat framework and foundation in early childhood development and education was really going to serve me well in, you know, in whatever I decided to do next. Right. And it was a great program. And I really struggled to thrive in college, even though I was a great student. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really started, I, I do feel that we thrive in things that we are passionate and that we find ourselves in. Um, yeah, and definitely. So it, it wasn't until I was in that where I like flourished, you know, as a college student, I feel. Um, and it was the best, the best college experience of all time. And I love my background at, you know, at UW. Um, and with that, I went on to become a, um, Head Start preschool teacher. Um, Oh, wonderful. I did some work, um, at UW while I was in my undergrad. Um, and I worked at, um, an educational like research center through, um, Uh through there. And so I work with children with all um, b- various disabilities. It was an inclusive preschool setting um, where children learn alongside, um, typically developing children learn alongside um, children with um, various disabilities. And so I learned fun there and it gave me a lot yeah. of insight and um, of, you know, kind of that drive and desire to work with children with varying abilities and needs. Sure. And uh, I was taken out of Seattle um, for uh, one of my ex's jobs in a different state. And I was like, well, this is my opportunity to run my own classroom. And and I did that. And I was a Head Start preschool teacher um, for a few years. And I knew in that experience that it wasn't my end-all be-all career, but I knew they were going to teach me a ton. Yeah, they did. And I'll always say that it was the hardest job I ever had. Um, and also the most rewarding. And one of the things that I loved in my classroom was supporting language, literacy, and communication. Um, I had many language learners in my classroom. I was a fresh college student, um, that had an assistant teacher that was twice her age, twice my age at the time. Um, yeah, wow. you know, so you can understand those dynamics. Um, yes, are, mm-hmm. are very interesting. I learned from her. She learned from me. You, we have to get over that strange hierarchical political system that exists. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to 
oh, yeah. teaching and head lead and, you know, assistant roles, things like that. Um, right. But she was a teacher for a lot, a lot more, you know, a, long, a lot more, um, many more years than me. And so yeah. I, um, I learned a lot from her in that time. But um, yeah, they, they taught me a lot and I loved that. And I would watch speech therapists come into my classroom Mm-hmm. and work with my students and I was like wait a second I could do that um yeah and I want to do that um and I would love working you know more kind of one-on-one with students I think you know working um in a big classroom is um, has its challenges obviously but um true I was like okay specializing I think is my thing so I had to go back to school. I had to get a whole post back degree because I didn't do mm-hmm. any speech in undergraduate. Um, speech pathology is a tough field to get into. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. when I told one of the therapists that was coming into my classroom that I was going to pursue it. She basically was like, oh, good luck, Chelsea. It's like so hard. And um, I would love to, I would love to show her my degree today. Um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes those, we need that in our life to, you know, to rise to the occasions, mm-hmm. um, and to believe in ourselves. And I think, um, due to my like progression in, and having to let go of that nursing, I think I had still had it inside of me of like fear of succeeding educationally you know, at higher education. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I had to get out of my own way so many times that I was capable and that I was smart enough. And I've, um, I feel like personally, I've always battled with some learning challenges as well. Um, nothing really was ever diagnosed until I was diagnosed with ADHD in my thirties, um, which made a lot of sense to me and yes. um, yeah, gave me a lot of answers, but I really had to get out of my own way. Um, you know, and no, and, and being a teacher really helped me to feel that I could do it. And um, so it was a year of post-bac, a year of applying to graduate school. I hadn't taken a standardized test in, you know, 10 plus years. Um, so good old testing. I, I was never a good tester. Nope, that wasn't me. Um, I always struggled. I had tons of anxiety. Um, so yeah, it was, a it was a big becoming for me and yeah. I got into graduate school and becoming a speech pathologist is like so intense at times because of the small program size. Uh-huh. You know, these programs are 20 seats and, um, wow. super, uber, uber competitive. And I remember telling my brother who was, you know, cross-checking all my work and all my essays, you know, always been a big cheerleader of mine. I remember crying to him on the phone when I got a first few rejections and um, I said, don't make me do it again. Like I can't do this whole process again and apply next year. Like it's just, it's too much. At that point I had been to four universities. Oh, wow. Between between my undergraduate, well, Uh maybe not four universities, three universities, one community college, but I had four transcripts. Like you yeah. can imagine all of the um, different transcript processes for each school and every, like it's just a nightmare. It's a full-time it's a job lot. to apply to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. And I was like, don't make me do it again. Like I can't do it again. And I'm very blessed that I did not have to do it again. 
Um, Amen. 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 And I got in and, you know, it was an amazing program for, and, you know, and I, I really got to fine tune that my life's work was supported in development, you know, of young children and optimizing their language and communication skills. Um, yes. Yes. That's, wow. I just have to say that is so inspiring. Like even I feel inspired because I have to take a <laughs> test actually. And I have testing, but I'm like, oh, wow. like, oh my goodness, this is inspiring right now. And I think I can do this. You so can do that. Crazy. You can. I, I took, I had to take the GRE. I think I took it three times. Um, I took a whole prep class. One of the, one yeah. of the, one of the three was like a prep test. And then I took it twice again after that. Um, oh, and now I learned from other, um, other people in my life that have told me about becoming a speech pathologist in this day and age that they don't even require the GRE anymore. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my I know it's crazy when that happens. You're like, wow, I, I did all this for that. I did all this for that, but Hey, it, it, it made, made me better and yes. gave me more grit in the game. And, um, you know, maybe made me more proud of what I accomplished. Um, oh, when definitely. I was never the kid that had high esteem educationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was even that much bigger. I wasn't, you know, I I feel as though I really was one of those kids that um, that you think is really succeeding that uh-huh. people miss. And I was probably really good at seeming organized and, you know. Um, but reading was really hard for me. I had a really hard time learning to read. Um, and my parents were getting divorced, I feel like, around first, second grade, which I can only imagine was not an optimal time when reading and all of that is going on and all these foundational skills. And, you know, I don't think I could really focus and be at school in my brain all the time. Right. That makes sense. Well, you know, even with those experiences and just telling us, you know, your life, part of your life and what challenges, you know, you have gotten over really makes you the best teacher, right? Because you're that person that understands that the trials and tribulations and and where you got hung up on. I mean, you can use those those weaknesses, quote unquote, to strengthen your skill in helping others, you know, because we know that our children have such a so many things that they're also going through. And it could be like a mental thing that a mental state or even an emotional state that keeps a child from learning as we know, right? Yeah. So even at a young age, like a really young age, so that's Remember. kind of opening some doors in my mind right now. So thank you for sharing. How do all we that. best support kids? And it's, it's such a great question. And I think that, you know, everyone's trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, there's different supports that are in place and different schools and different systems have different resources, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in this country, it's not always the most um, equitable, you know, thing. And I that also want to talk about true. navigating. Navigating services for your child is so tough. Adding yes. on, a, 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 you know, English as second language parents. You know, like there's so many layers 
of getting your child support and understanding the uh, the public education system in this country um, from birth, literally, like, you know, I think of um, early childhood. Um, what are those early childhood services? Um, I'm blanking on the on the name. Um, you know, you think of like the sorry, birth to three. You think of birth to three services. Right. Yeah. And then you have preschool services and then you make it to elementary and that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. You know, so I think like individual individualized education plans and 504 plans and all of these, um, you know, kind of what do we call foundational, I don't know, things that are in place um, yeah. you know, in the school system to um, support children of differing needs, learning needs. Um, it's just uh-huh. really, it, it, it's hard to learn about and it can be tough to navigate. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well that, and that was one of the reasons why we, you know, we, we had a special education teacher come on here and we spoke with, um, with her about, you know, like even the differences between a 504 and an IEP. Uh-huh. And I even remember, uh-huh. um, you know, there's been people within, um, you know, my family and my group that I've had to be like, okay, well you need to go to the school and you need to request a 504 plan if they're not if they didn't qualify for the IEP because they have a diagnosis of ADHD um you know and so in and he didn't know that and the child was not receiving the services that they needed based off of their diagnosis and even though it you know there's just so much there's so much for parents to navigate and there's so many things that people don't know and that was one of the things that I ran into even, you know, especially as a junior high teacher, when kids are switching from elementary to junior high, and now they have all these classes that they're switching classes and they're doing all of these things. And it's, it's very it's different. so different. Perfect. And Perfect. so I ran into so many parents that they, you know, they didn't really know where to go or what to do from here. So it was uh-huh. it's definitely... It's I, I feel like it is a huge issue um, across, you know, across the globe for people to find exactly what their child needs and for people to be um, informed, you know, because some parents are they're both parents are working and they don't have I've the heard. time to I've really heard. delve into those things. You know, while other parents, maybe they are they're so obsessed with it that they know everything, you know, and so there's both extremes and we just we I one of our goals is to really help people be able to say you know maybe they're listening to this they're like oh my child you know they they need that or how you know how do I get those services that I need how do I get that information right how do I advocate for my child right exactly Exactly. Um, and that's one thing in my practice today that I that I try to support and teach a lot of parents is you actually do have a say about your child education. Yes. And yes. you need to know that you do. And um, yeah, that advocacy piece is so big. Definitely. You can never, ever advocate too much for your child. Right, right. And uh, I think that's such an invaluable, you know, thing, I think, Sometimes when parents show up at a school or at, you know, a child's classroom or even, you know, a therapy center, it's like, okay, you're going to do this for my child and I'm just over here. You know, I think the collaborative 
peace and making, you know, making sure that we're facilitating a relationship with our students or our, you know, my little clients or patients' families is like so critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, you know, so <clears throat> with that information, what, what, what commonalities do you see? Like, like, let's say you have a, a little baby, like when, when would you start looking for like signs that maybe a child would need uh, speech or language um, services? And, and what's the difference between speech and language? Like, is there a difference? And if so, what, what is it? Can you kind of speak yeah. to that? Good question. Um, so think of speech as our production of sounds and words. Um, children with speech um, challenges may have trouble pronouncing their R. Um, they may list their S's. They may, um, you know, they may just be difficult to understand. Um, so that is speech challenges. Okay, language is the use of la- of, of, of of our words and language. Oh, so okay. you know, with language, we think of structure. We think of um, communication. We think of um, you know just general um, rules of communicating, right? That mm-hmm. can be involved in language. Do I understand the social rules behind looking at somebody while I communicate? Um, asking follow up questions, staying on topic, like these things that you know, that we all do, um, that aren't necessarily taught. Wow. Um, wow. Is, is an aspect of language building a sentence. I mean, um, all of those things, um, are language based. Fall under mm-hmm. that category. Yes. No. Fall under that yeah. category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't, I, I didn't know that. So thank I you for either. that. That makes that, ma- that puts everything into like a whole different perspective for me. Because I've heard people talk about the different things, but I kind of thought it was the same thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. hopefully a lot of people do. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that's a beautiful explanation. And thank you for for giving us that. For clarifying I feel that. like I learned. <laughs> right. So thank right. you. Absolutely. Good. I'm so glad. So like when. Um, like, and there's. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. There's a lot that fall under our. There's just a lot that fall under the speech language umbrella too i mean that yeah. those are those are our basic you know kind of umbrella things um to explain but they cover so 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 much um but kate what were you gonna say well i was gonna say like what like what would a what would a new parent look for like what i know that you have some ideas because we talked about birth and there's so much going on even like how the distance of how you hold your baby and the eye contact and the whatever. So what, what can you do or say to us today for parents that maybe don't have any experience at all? And, and we want to know that our kids are developing and when to take them for that help or whatever. Absolutely. I think that first time parents have a really interesting role because they don't really have a whole lot to compare. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yes. On the flip side, sometimes we have one child and that child speaks amazing and was talking by two years old in sentences and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, the next child may be totally different. Mm-hmm. And it's alarming and shocking. And when some parents come to me and they're like, look, they're so different. My other child was talking at two. And, you know, my child only has a few words at two. And, you know, is something wrong? And there's so much variability in siblings, even though it's so crazy to feel like they came from the same place and they're raised in the same way. And they're so 
different. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, that is okay and very normal. But I think um, what's important to look for is, um, I mean, we want to be singing to our children, to our, to our babies. We want to be having, you know, interactions with them. We want to expose our young infants to, you know, sounds and environments and, um, you know, things because their brains are just growing at such a fast rate. But really what's so important at that age is just the connection with their, with their caregiver. Their connection with their caregiver is the most important thing I feel like I can ever tell a parent of a young baby. Um, and wow. <laughs> right. Yes. It's so powerful. Ow. Um, because that is the op- that is the foundation of all learning and brain growth and everything at that age. I mean, their brains are just growing and myelinating at such a high rate um, that it all comes back to this framework of a loving relationship with our caregiver that I know will meet my needs that I, you know, I know loves me and is going to be there for me. And, you know, and everything else, if, you know, a child is typically developing, you know, kind of branches off of that and, and, and blossoms, right. It's a beautiful place for a child to, to grow and to blossom from. You know, with that being said, um, parents that, you know, read to their babies, sing to their babies, talk to their babies. Uh, We talk a lot about narration at that age. You might be talking about what they're doing. Did they pick up a stuffy and look at it? Oh, you're looking at the cow. There's the cow. Um, Did they, you know, pick up their spoon? Oh, you have your spoon. Look, we're going to eat with your spoon, right? We're kind of talking about what they're doing. Um, That's what we call narration. Um, And then we should see some cooing and some babbling you know, as they age, um, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, we want to see sounds. Right. We want to hear babbling sounds. We want to hear, you know, starts out as kind of coos, those cute little sweet sounds Burr. that you hear um, that sounds maybe more kind of like vowels. They don't, we don't have a lot of, um, you know, consonant vowels like you would hear ga, 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 ba, 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 ga, 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 that you hear later on. Uh-huh. I, um those are some, you know, some some later babbling, um, but some, you know, kind of red flag that we, you know, that we have as as educators, you know, as professionals, is um, is a very quiet baby, um, and you know, some babies though temperamentally are just more chill. Um, yeah, you know, and that's so that's why you know we don't intervene too early because it's important to allow a child to continue to develop and um you know kind of take on their world and grow in their own way okay. it's important um that we understand the variability of um language development and just of development in general right okay. um but you know a baby that is you know more quiet um you know around between you know one and two years old or has some major um regression 
in their language. They may have a few words and then one day they wake up and they don't have those words anymore and they don't use them at all. This isn't just like, oh, one day my child said, you know, I don't know, like fork. And we were like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And then, you know, maybe a couple weeks later they use it. No, this is literally not using it again. Wow. Um, wow. Are are things that, you know, that can be a flag, mm-hmm. um, you know, for other concerns going on. Um, and, and, you know, at each stage of development, too, with language, you know, parents can become concerned. Um, a child may develop, you know, very well um, in their motor. Um, and sometimes we see that when a child is really gross motor motivated, meaning crawling, walking early, running, climbing up everything, sometimes we see language is not quite caught up because their focus in their development is not on language at that time. Right. So development is not linear. And that's what I like to tell parents too, is not to be too concerned um, if your name, you know, if your best friend's baby is totally different than yours and is speaking, um, but maybe that baby can't, you know, isn't walking like your baby is. Right. So it's so different and different babies, I feel, have different kind of motivations and concentration, you know, at certain times in their development. Um, and some babies, too, for absolutely no apparent reason or toddlers just need a boost in their language and you know parents need kind of a boost sometimes too in learning um, what what do i do at my home to support my child's you know language development yeah um, that sounds good because that's so important you know coming to a, a speech therapist um you know once a week once every couple of weeks is not going to be what makes the big difference it's that um the person who's with the child the most um you know and you know caregivers know what to do um because sometimes supporting language in your young child is not super intuitive because with when not all the time we actually have to teach language this is something in typically developing children it just happens right yeah like okay sit down i'm gonna tell you apple this is an apple and showing a picture of a card no it's a it's a natural phenomenon that occurs in your day-to-day with your baby as you're eating as you're learning as you're playing um right yeah but if you're but if you're doing all those things and your child is still you know um quieter or you know i always say you know it's important to read milestones but not latch onto them too hard um, you can go online and find great um, language and, um, you know, language and learning milestones um, that can give you good benchmarks. But again, every child is so different. But if you see vast differences right. at what your child is doing with what the benchmark is for that age, mm-hmm. you know, can also be a little bit of a flag for a concern. And I always tell parents to trust your gut with your child. There you go. Because you because you know mm-hmm. yeah and uh-huh. Uh-huh. um it's not to live in fear it's just to trust your own gut and to seek um you know seek professional you know opinion um as soon as you have that concern it um you know and it's so much easier said than done for me not being my um not being a parent yet 
Um, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of shame mm -hmm. attached um, when parents bring in their children for, you know, to get checked out on, you know, anything in their development. What did I do? Did right. I do something wrong? Right, right. You know, right. in my career, I've had, I've had many conversations with parents um, that it's not your fault. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not your fault. And um, you're here now and you had the concern and you're getting it looked into. And that means everything. Yes. That means that you're in tune with your child and that, um, you know, you're willing to, to kind of put those emotions aside for a moment and seek to get, you know, help that your child needs. Absolutely. And um, that's so huge. But I think, you know, as parents, there is a lot of emotion and, you know, personal kind of viewpoints that can happen. Oh, oh yeah. When it comes to thinking about your child and how they're developing. I, I agree with that 100%. Because, I mean, we, you know, we moved during the pandemic, during uh, October 2020, we moved up here to Washington. And Addie yeah. was, she was 10 months old. And she had been, like, talking and, like, saying dog and pointing to different things and saying things. And we moved up here and, you know, we were, um, we actually moved here with another family and there was a, another baby who he was a little bit older than Addie, about four months older. And, and Addie like stopped talking and she stopped saying, and it was like very, like everything else seemed to be like going okay, but it was, I think the change was so overwhelming for, sure. for her to go uh -huh. through and you know go through moving and all of these different things that she she stopped kind of progressing and um it was I was I at first I was like okay everything's like gonna be okay but you know eventually I was like oh my god my child <laughs> you know like what did I do like I made the biggest mistake ever and it was it was a lot but you know like I took her in and um, and it was it was so weird because, you know, she the doctor was like talking to her and asking her things and she was like responding and like talking to him. And I was just like, OK, I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, what is happening? And he's like, you know, yeah. sometimes. And so he had to like talk me down from this ledge that I was on. Yeah. You know, and, sure. you know, sure. with, with Finn, it was so different. And, you know, one of my cousins was very concerned because. She had a child that was the same age as Finn, and Finn was, like, having these full-on conversations, and her child wasn't, and she was like, what is happening? And I'm like, I think that he's just different. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is normal, you know? And then the doctor was like, he's talking really early, and probably because I didn't shut up when he was a newborn. Like, I would be in the store, and I'd be like, now mommy's walking down the aisle, and I'm grabbing nice. that people would look Yay. at me like I was insane. But my mom was like, you need to talk to him every day. And that's your job is yes. to talk to him. And so I just yes. talked that is all true. to myself and to him who was, yeah. he was just a baby, but I talked to him all the time, but I, he's listening. That, that same thing didn't happen with Addie necessarily because I had him and I had her. And so we both were talking to her, but it was just, I can very much say that like there's just such differences in the way that children are and it's 
It is um, even being a teacher, you know, and knowing those things and knowing that there are differences in development, you know, it is hard for parents to, to, to go and take that step and be like, okay, I'm going to listen to myself. I know that my child needs help. And so that's another thing that I just wanted to, you know, put out there for our parents is that, you know, the best thing that you can do for your child is, is take that step and is trust yourself and that it's not your fault and that things are okay. going to be okay. And the best okay. thing that you can do is talk to somebody about your child because, um, yeah, I've just, I've seen so many things even with my friends and other people around me. And I just, I, I'm a really big believer in that. And it's just, it's, it can be hard, but it is so, it's so worth even just having that conversation with your doctor or with a therapist or whoever it might be. With her. With her. Yeah. So. And I think that a, a pediatric doctor will be like the first one to kind of tell you, like and maybe you need to do A, B, C, and D. But like you both said, talking yes. to your kids, um, I remember reading a book saying, ask questions, have your voice go up at the end. You know, like, did you sleep good? Or did you sleep well? Or, you know, do you, are you hungry? Or, you know, just Inflection. those little things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's singing, like, of course, we all sing, right? We just sing all the time. We were just, was, we're a singing family. So anyway, it's kind of funny. So what else do you have? Like, do you have any other like little bags of tricks or just anything that you want to, that you feel super passionate about, you know, that you want to express to us, you know, we're just so open to whatever you, you know, really resonates with you that you'd like to share. Oh, awesome. I would love to talk a little bit about some last tips and um, things you can do um, with a, you know, toddler and preschool age child. It is so important that us as parents are spending a few minutes a day if we have it or more would be amazing playing, getting on the ground with our children. That is the best way uh, that children learn is through play. So starting there is an amazing place. Now, okay, how do I play with my two-year-old and my three-year-old? Um, the first thing that's always really important is following a child's lead. Um, what are they playing with? How do they like to play? How can I add on one thing to their play that might make it, you know, um, maybe have a sound involved? Beep, beep, I'm driving the truck. Oh, no, rush, right? But we might use novel words or simple um, sound effects, um, you know, or something silly, being silly with our kids is so amazing. They're latched in. They're focused in on you. Something is funny. Um, one funny thing I always love to do oops, is um, put something on my head, a funny hat or something, and chew it off my head. Um, this could be with like, you know, a one-year-old or a two-year-old. And they think it's so funny and they're laughing and they're looking at you to do it again right? And they're learning that back and forth communication that if I want something, I have to tell you or communicate with you or look to you, right? These are foundational, um, you know, kind of building blocks to communication. Um, so sometimes I tell parents to make up silly songs. Um, you can use tunes of old songs that you remember and, you know, and do anything with it. This is the way I put on my socks, put on my socks, put on my socks. I mean, you can literally make up so many funny, it doesn't all have to make sense. Um, but you're singing, you're involving your child in a routine, 
anything that you can do that's either uh, also that's other uh, that's playing obviously with them number one but it's also in a routine so you're not also doing something extra is huge you can do body parts during bath time you can are you know dressing you can learn about the different clothes and where we put a hat on you know these kinds of things um gloves on our hand you know i mean there's just so many amazing things that you can do uh you know, and during um, feeding, during um, meal times, right? Um, talking about even just modeling more. Um, if your child looks to you, you know, and you have you have the you know the cup of of macaroni and cheese or whatever it may be, and your child like reaches and is like, ah ah, you're gonna model for them. Modeling is huge. That's one thing we always say. That's that's showing our child the word more macaroni okay, more macaroni and we're putting the macaroni on the plate and we're giving, you know, we're showing those words. If a child is pointing a lot, that's really good. That's a good indication of language. A child is having a thought. Um, it's always a good indication of thinking about, you know, a concept or a word. And if they're not saying that word yet, we're going to attend to where they're pointing and we're going to say, look, airplane, big airplane, it's flying in the sky. Um, and we're going to attend to that and we're going to use that word, right? All of those things is, is, um, are really amazing kind of tips for the trade. There's so many more. I encourage uh, parents to always, you know, go online. Um, there are amazing tips and lists and, you know, different language benchmarks and resources. Um, and I can also leave some, um, if there is a, um, a place for parents. Um, to click. I don't know if you guys have that like in the little bio or something. I'm not sure if you add resources at all. Yes, but, definitely. We talked um, about that. Yeah, yeah definitely. But I can find, yeah, there's some great language um, organizations that offer, you know, really great things like that. Well, this is great because I remember like lazy lions lick lollipops or like little, little alliterations and excuse me, mm -hmm. just like some fun silly it doesn't have to make sense right just you know i even thought about it doesn't have to make sense. yeah and I, I even thought about investing in knee pads because i thought i always need to be on my kids level to see them in the look them in the eyes you know <laughs> i'm uh, that mom you know like i need knee pads because i don't want them to think that they're not heard and i would have them draw pictures remember that draw pictures and if they left off the hands it's like do not feel like you have a handle on life or do you not, you know, just anyway, we do all these crazy mom things. That's another story. That's for another podcast. Anyway, well, go ahead. Anna. Chelsea, we have, thank you yes, so much for so being here with much. us today. Um, we have learned so much from you. And um, I hope that uh, there's, you know, parents, please, I hope you've taken something from this. Um, there are so many resources out there and we will make sure that we um, have those resources in our bio as well as um, they will be posted with the episode as well. Uh -huh. So thank you so much again, Chelsea, for being here. You are so knowledgeable and we are so yes, grateful. We love you thank so you much. Guys. We're family. We are already family. We love you so much. We are yeah. family. And, uh, you well, know, thank you guys. I just want to say, um, you know, we not only are you beautiful, but you are and you well, are just so intelligent. And, you know, I we um, just so respect your professionalism and and teaching not only us but our parents and our listeners 
So we are just uh-huh. ever so grateful for you. And um, I'm so glad that we made this happen. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. If you guys have questions, um, please reach out. Uh, you can always email us at asktheteacherxyz at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to like us on Instagram. Uh, follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And have a blessed and wonderful week. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Happy talking! <laughs> Yay! <laughs>